The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It is the APC podcast from Acme Packing Company and SB Nation, and we are mid-NFL draft, so we are coming to you for the second day in a row, your Green Bay Packers, uh, as we talked about yesterday as we record this, selected in the first round, quarterback Jordan Love. No big deal, nothing controversial, nothing to talk about there, but hey, go back and listen to that episode if you feel like a take or two, and maybe you want to know something about that player. But we are here today to talk about all the picks in uh, round two and three, and then all the way up through where we record uh, our recording at this point today. So it's about 4.15 Eastern PM. The Packers are just about to be on the clock with the uh, 192nd overall pick. And so we will get there, but we're going to back up all the way to the second round to start. And, uh, introduce you to some new Packers. I am Zach Rapport at Zach Rapport on Twitter. Follow the show at the APC pod. And I am joined firstly, once again, by Alex Patakis. Hey buddy, how are you? About as good as you could be in the middle of a pandemic and a really depressing draft weekend. <laughs> yeah. Nothing unusual about this draft. Nothing unusual at all. <laughs> and as a special delight, we are also joined by our old friend, Ben Foldy, uh, calling in from Denver at this point ben it's been a while how are you uh you know i'm fine <laughs> working a lot uh, happy to have a job happy to not have covid yeah amen same every time i ask you how you're doing you give like a very larry david answer so i you mean in that i sigh going into it yeah and then you just go <laughs> eh, eh, you know <laughs> well um welcome welcome in guys uh why don't we just get right into it we'll just get right to the content a lot to get to we got to feed the content monster so here we go with the second round pick for the packers the wait, wait, wait. can we can we just say who we would want if there's anybody that we want the packers to take with this upcoming pick just so we can look prescient in case we are uh, with the 192nd pick? Yeah. Okay. Lay it on me. Lay it on me. <laughs> yeah, if you got a guy, name him. Isaiah Hodgins. All right. Who's that? Give me the skinny. He's a receiver. Oregon State. The Packers are not going to draft a receiver. They've made that clear. <laughs> it's not what happening. What if they do? <laughs> what if they do? They might. I don't know. 
I mean, what the MVS year? What was that? Oh no, they took they took Jamon in the fourth, MVS in the fifth, and Equinemius in the sixth. Yep. Was that how that went down? Uh, yes, I believe that's correct. Yeah, they could take somebody in the sixth. Yeah, with one of their three six rounders. Well, they're on the clock now, so uh, when we get there, we will we will see how prescient Ben Foldy is. But let's back up. To this. I don't actually know if they're going to do it, yeah. but that's what I want them to take. None of us know anything. I think that is abundantly clear. Second round, 62nd pick. A.J. Dillon was the pick. A running back from Boston College. Six feet, 247 pounds. The dude is rocked up. Uh, he eclipsed 1,000 yards all three years in college. Uh, this looks, you know, fun on paper, but Alex, a running back here in the second round. Um, did that feel a little bit out of left field for you? It sort of did. I guess like after we had some time to digest it, the idea of taking a running back in general shouldn't be uh, as surprising um, as it initially was, just given the contract situation of their current two running backs who kind of split the duties and really the lack of depth behind them. But um, I guess my issue isn't so much with with my issue is drafting a running back where they did and drafting the running back they did. Uh, with that pick because like AJ Dillon might be a really good player. Uh, you kind of scramble to the scouting reports. And one of the first things that you see, because he talked about it a lot in his interview with the press after is uh, how much he loves to play in cold weather, which is so fucking annoying because it's like <laughs> going outside, like when it's cold is like an NFL skill. Then like I have some NFL ability. Um, <laughs> so that's annoying. And I know he runs hard and he's a huge dude and he might be like Derrick Henry light, which is cool. But um, by all accounts, my issue with this pick is it seems like they could have gotten him later on in the draft. And I don't think anyone had him graded as highly as the Packers did, at least like according to like the, you know, most, I don't know, scouts and scouting reports and everything and all that might be total BS, but, um, it just seems like a really, a lot of capital to put into a position where you have two guys who are really good at it already. Um, one who you could argue is still underutilized and, it's not, a, you know, if it was a guy who was like highly touted and one of the best running backs in this draft, then I think it's it's a different story. But it seems like a guy that they just took way too early. They were in love with him and then they just took him way too early. So that's my issue with the with the pick. Yeah, there were um, scouts who um, who it sounds like, as you said, uh, thought that he would be available a little bit later. But then Gudekunst made it very clear that he felt like that player fell to them like they had to like they were lucky that he fell into their lap so um i don't know a little bit of a, a little bit of a disconnect there kind of depends on on who you believe i uh i tend to side with you alex i feel like maybe he might have been available a little bit later you're raising your hand on the video chat is there a pick in uh the packers pick is in um and uh i was gonna make a joke earlier and say oh they'll probably take a punter but the jets did that with the pick before them <laughs> so if they had a texas a&m punter b man rated highly the packers missed out on their chance to get him. ben ben you've been off for a while so why don't you go ahead and tee up this pick for us this is the 192nd pick so we're skipping ahead a little bit but this is real time exciting stuff for us and i'll give you the breaking news sounder with the 192nd pick of the uh oh wow <laughs> weird bio uh john runyon guard of michigan and the first thing that like pops up in his bio is his dad was an nfl pro right tackle which is fine 
but and then served in the U.S. House of Representatives for two terms and is currently an NFL vice president of policy and rules. Yeah, because John Runyon's like he didn't play that long ago, right? He was like a I feel like he was a John Madden era guy. Uh, yeah, I mean, I so I I don't want to move on from AJ Dillon yet. You can either jump into John Runyon, who none of us knew anything about. Yeah, or we can talk about uh AJ Dillon. Um, Let's do that. Ben, give me your take. AJ Dillon uh, comes off the board for the Packers 62nd overall pick. How do you feel about it? As a, I, I feel okay. It's a mixed bag. <laughs> Complicated emotions. As a player, this is my favorite pick by far. Uh, I think he's a stud. I think he's probably the second best running back in the draft compared, uh, like depending on how you're evaluating them. I think Jonathan Taylor is a clear number one. Um, and I think uh, the Kansas City kid is really good as kind of a scat back, but small. You know, he's not a three down guy. Um, AJ Dillon, I think, is the number two behind Jonathan Taylor. And I can see why they were excited that he got to them in the second round. Um, I think so. If you look, I, there's a few reasons that I think that AJ Dillon is really, really good. Um, if you look at his college production, his closest comps are Fournette, Zeke. Darren McFadden, Jonathan Stewart, Trent Richardson, Todd Gurley, and Melvin Gur- or, uh, and uh, Melvin Gordon. Yeah, that's good company. So, yeah. So, I mean, dude can ball. He, if you look at who ran into stacked boxes, like BC is just like no passing offense to speak of. So he ran into stacked boxes. I think something like north of fifty percent of the time, more than eight in the box or eight or more. Um. So, and I, I think the other thing, the flip side of that kind of offensive question is that if you you know i keep seeing like the whole twitter narrative is like oh he's a two down guy he's a two down guy he's a two down guy um i don't actually just because bc doesn't throw to running backs doesn't mean that somebody's a two down guy and i believe that the packers personnel people kind of said this on the record after after they took him was that you know they saw at the combine uh that he actually did have some receiving ability so i wouldn't worry too much about that Um, and I think, I think honestly, so if you, if you evaluate him as not, not like Derrick Henry light, but actually Derrick Henry tested and produced way better, um, or like Nick Chubb, like, I think this is about where you draft that sort of player. So I don't hate it from that perspective. Um, and you know, we can talk more about what you feel about taking running backs in the second. But I think if you're evaluating it purely on a player basis, it's a fine value for 62. I don't uh, feel anything about taking running backs in the second, but I think you're alluding to sort of the, the um, using air quotes, common knowledge at this point that that's not good value at that point in the draft, whatever that means. Yeah. I mean, so I think I'm actually like the opposite of you of, of what it sounds like Alex was at, which is that, yeah. you know, he could have been had later. You're not against taking a running back. I'm kind of the flip. Whereas I think he's the running back you want to take there after Jonathan Taylor's off the board. So you take Gutekunst at his word that he feels like they got a gem that kind of fell to them a little bit. Yeah. I think, I think that'll be borne out. I mean, barring, you know, all the unforeseen circumstances that, you know, crop up in an NFL running backs early career. Um, But I think, you know, there's a, there's a few, you know, I think there is kind of the running backs in the second problem. Um, and then, so there's, there's kind of two issues there. One is that my, so I, I think this draft is really interesting and I didn't get to talk about the Jordan Love pick and probably will tomorrow, I guess, or in some sort of recap. Yeah. But um, 
like I think there's a few things that can be read into this draft. Like I'm, you know, I like like everybody else, I'm kind of trying to like figure out what any of this means, I guess, because none of these picks kind of make sense from a traditional analysis point, I guess. But if you think about that, like the main people making decisions for the Packers right now come from like four or five systems, right? Um, or four or five teams, organizations. So like San Francisco, Tennessee, Baltimore, and then like Green Bay, Ted Thompson. Um, and if you think about it in that way, and like the type of team that we can expect the Packers to look at moving forward, I think like, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, San Francisco ran, 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 you know. Um, and it's easy to look at San Francisco and think that just because they had like Raheem Mostert and, and, and Brita that like they never put any value into the, like the running back position in terms of how they built their roster. But they threw a lot of money at Jarek McKinnon and they threw a lot of money at Tevin Coleman. Like, I don't think that running back isn't, is, is like a devalued position for them. So, I, and, and, there, and it's, I don't think it's a devalued position for Baltimore either, if you look at what they did with Mark Ingram. So if you start thinking, and, and it's definitely not in Tennessee with Derrick Henry. So if you look at the Packers kind of within that organizational framework moving forward, I think that putting some value into running back at this point makes sense. I'm not, I'm not saying I necessarily agree with doing it in the second round, but I think that that makes the pick sort of make sense to me. And I think the other thing that's come up, and, and um, Alex alluded to this, but like, you know, I think with Jordan Love, everybody brought up the rookie contract. Like, that's all I was seeing on, on, on draft Twitter. It's like, why do you waste, you know, a rookie contract is so important, yada, yada, yada. Um, this time, the rookie contract that you're worried about is Aaron Jones's rookie contract. And I don't think there's any possibility in the world that Aaron Jones would live up to whatever the value of his second contract is going to be. So I think this is the last year that we see Aaron, Aaron Jones in green and gold, probably. And I think we'll see a lot of him, but I don't think it's, I, I think this is definitely a move with that in mind. Um, so that's, that's my 50 cents on, uh, on AJ Dillon. So, so I want to um, just kind of talk about, I, I want to expand on this because, and I think it also is important to, to take the, uh, the next pick into account um, when evaluating this, because I, I think part of, I, I think if I were to boil down um, everything that I didn't like about day two of the draft for the Packers, it would, it would kind of just come down to the fact that yes, like I understand where Matt LaFleur came from and where a lot of people in the Packers organization now have come from and kind of the model that they're trying to follow. But I don't know. Um, I, I think my thing is I'm just weighing whether or not I trust that as like a, a foundation. Like if, if the goal is to kind of try to build this team in, in the, in the mold of the, of, of Shanahan's Niners, do I trust that that's the right thing to do? Because I think, I, I think what's important for us to recognize is like, um, the, the the main difference between the Packers and the teams that you mentioned, and I guess I'm putting Baltimore aside because Lamar Jackson is a total freak and he's not even comparable to any of these quarterbacks. He's not comparable to like any quarterbacks that maybe Michael Vick. Um, but I don't know if San Francisco won the way they won in the postseason and in the regular season. And if Tennessee won the way they won uh, with Ryan Tannehill, like, you know, mainly with Derrick Henry, like because they knew that was the only way they can do it. You know, like, I, is it the limitations of the quarterback that's kind of, I don't know that Shanahan wants to have like a ground and pound run first offense that seems like it just has to be us being more physical than you, or if he's doing that because that's what it, 
you know, what his roster at the time necessitated because the, the, the difference, and I understand it takes gears to build the team. So like if this is the first step going towards that, and then you can start adding, you know, the icing on the cake, like it feels like the 49ers are doing as now they start to invest in receivers and speed and perimeter players like, great, but like they're not, it's, it's not lost on the Niners that they need receivers. They don't want to do what they did in the postseason where, where Jimmy Garoppolo can't eclipse 100 yards. That's just, they happen to have... They don't a, need receivers for that. They need a better quarterback. Well, right, but, but the Packers have that. So, like... I, I mean, do they? I mean, that's the real question moving so, forward is I think well, that this is, this is the interesting thing about the love pick and this pick is that if you look at it in terms of a team that they're building around a QB who's probably in decline with the ability to still shine on like, you know, in a good system and in, you know, some breathtaking kind of like, you know, box breaking situations. But like, I think that what we're seeing in this draft is that they do think Aaron Rodgers is in decline. Yeah. I, I'm not, I, I definitely believe that. I think that they have recognized his limitations, but I also don't think that that uh, I also think by far he is still more skilled than any of the guys we just talked about, save for Lamar Jackson in terms of like that offense. So um, like, again, like I, maybe I'm wrong and like maybe they show us next year and, and they can win a certain way without necessarily that uh, that much talent on the perimeter. But I, I have a fundamental like distrust right now with like the style of football that they seem to be transitioning to. Um, and maybe a little bit of doubt of us as to whether or not it's too early to do that at this stage in Aaron Rodgers' career, if he has two, three really productive seasons left. And then I just want to say one other thing, too, because um, it would be totally unfair to to talk about the Niners and not bring up the defensive side of the ball. Because I think like you can you can you can play a certain style of offense if you have the defense to support that and the packers have like the exact opposite defense that supports that and it'd be one thing if they're like oh you know we got to add a running back we got to build a run game um and look at tennessee too like now i'm thinking about all these other pieces the packers have it, it feels to me like the packers drafted the pieces that you can kind of stumble into a guy the running back the h back but they don't have the pieces where you have to actually build the foundation for this type of roster which is offensive line like, okay, who are you going to run behind? And a defense that's just going to get you the ball back every time and kick teams' ass. Like, great, you have a running back. He might be really good. But, like, you also could have signed a free agent off the street if you had a good enough line and a defense that's going to keep the ball in your hands the whole time. So, like, I think that is what it, it is is for me. It's frustrating because it's like we don't have the kind of team where these are the guys we need yet. Like, we need the other shit that's more important, and then these are, like, the luxuries you kind of lap onto that. But Well, you know. okay, but, like, so I agree with that for the most part. I, I mean, then my, my kind of like second round overvalue of running backs is that you should probably spend that on an offensive lineman. Um, except for the one thing that I can see kind of arguing against that is like, if you have a chance to take pressure off your quarterback with like a Todd Gurley type, like I think you can, you can do that for a couple of years and get a much more effective, you know, couple seasons out of Jared Goff so to speak. You know what I mean? Like right. you can, you can integrate that into a system that highlights both aerial and ground game, whether or not Matt LaFleur is like at that level as an offensive mind is a different question. But I mean, I mean, look, I mean, Ryan Tanhal looked like garbage in, in Miami for years, right. Or like kind of hit and miss garbage, sh shimmering garbage, garbage, <laughs> shimmering garbage. But in Tennessee, he looked 
pretty efficient and pretty yeah. effective, right? Yeah. Like, I actually think this could be a way to, in some ways, increase like the longevity of that Rogers window. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I. I mean, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I'm. I'm torn on on whether or not I should be like positive about that and say that like, this is the direction they need to head because of where Rogers is, or if the Packers are just like the cheap, like off the street corner knockoff designer bag version of the 49ers. <laughs> like, cause that's, cause that's what it kind of feels like. Yeah. And it even feels like what, what the coach we have, we have like a slightly less, uh, you know, talented play co- or, you know, offensive mind at the helm. Like it, it just, I don't know. And, and, and also like the Niners are great. And the, t- the Titans, I think really overachieved, but um, I don't think that's the only way to win in the NFL. Like everyone, like the whole like copycat thing. Oh, like now it's transitioning back to this type of roster. Like the Chiefs aren't thinking about H-backs or ground and pound. They're thinking about fucking running by you with f- four, three speed all over the field and a, a generational quarterback. Like, But the Raiders do that. I mean, the Raiders, I mean, the Chiefs were doing that before, before Mahomes, right? Like they were doing it with Tyreek. They were doing it. Um, you know, they were doing it with Tyreek Hill. You know, they had that kind of speed emphasis even before Mahomes. And then and the Raiders have been drafting 4-3 speed for years, and they never look like anything. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I guess I shouldn't just say speed, but like, I, I don't know. Teams win different ways, right? The Patriots won a certain way for a really long time. The Chiefs are winning a different way. The the Ravens, I think, are going to eventually win uh, with a, a very different way. And I just think... If, if we're talking about winning with Aaron Rodgers, maybe the whole thing and my resistance to it is that this draft is not focused on winning with Aaron Rodgers because yeah. it doesn't feel like it is. Yeah. And and maybe you could counter that with the A.J. Dillon pick, like Ben was saying, like, well, it also could be nice to have a, a stable of good running backs to take pressure off your quarterback. But to me, this feels like a future draft. And I understand you have to think that way. But like, there's also some now, like you also were in the NFC championship game, you know, so it's, it's hard to swallow. Our sense, as I remember it coming out of the seasons, is that, is that- the Packers had gotten a mix of lucky and like overperformance and should not have been a 13 and three team that made the NFC championship game. Right. I mean, like that's not, that's not, I don't think that's a huge overstatement. Right. No, I, I think we all felt that way. So, I mean, like, so if you assume that this team is more like, you know, nine and seven, probably, um, you know, winning a lot of one score games. I mean, granted, I think that, you know, do you try to, you know, does a running back help you win one square games? Probably not as much. Like you, you, you want more of an explosive offense, but, um, you know, I, I, I don't know if I have a problem with the Packers front office, like looking with a, you know, a colder evaluation than we were so close. Let's gamble it on short-term things to try to get so close again. Cause I don't think they're going to be as close this season. Yeah. I, I'm maybe they won't. I mean, and and maybe they kind of are well aware of how lucky they were last year, but um, it felt, I don't know, man. This whole thing just feels like they gave Matt Lafleur the controller instead of Brian Gutekunst, mm-hmm. who like did a lot of really positive things last last year. Certainly, it seems um, like they're working, uh, they're working hand in hand, and that they have uh, that Gutekunst has Matt Lafleur's. Uh, opinions in mind in drafting some of these guys. And Alex, I hear you being a bit torn. I hear some consternation. I think that's reflected in a lot of Packers fans. And that was reflected uh, in their reaction to the third round pick as we move on to the 94th uh, overall pick for the Packers. And it is wide receiver. Oh, wait, no, just kidding. It's an H-back slash tight end slash whatever. 
everybody's focusing on the H-back. Like, can we just call him the tight end? He's a, He's tight, a tight end. end. He's a tight end. No. Uh, his name is Josiah. Inline tight end. His name I'm is told. Josiah DeGuara. He's from the University of Cincinnati. 6'2", 242 pounds. Solid athletic profile. Um, he played all over the field, uh, to, to Ben's point, for Cincy, lining up on the line, in the slot, in the backfield as a fullback um, and a tight end. He's definitely a very versatile guy who um, Matt LaFleur was clearly elated to get, um, Alex, to your point about kind of drafting LaFleur's guys. But at the same time, he was uh, not anyone who was on Packers fans' radar, as far as I know, and also, again, not a wide receiver. Alex, I have to imagine imagine you were maybe a little bit befuddled uh, uh, initially when this one came through as well, or did you start to uh, accept the the pa- the change in the pattern you were detecting in these picks at this point? Well, no, this this pick, I think, set me off more than the A.J. Dillon. I don't want to say set me off. It's not like I was outraged, but made me question it more than A.J. Dillon did because th- this is what kind of like brought, made it a clearer picture to me of what the team they're trying to build. Like uh, people are saying he's not a, a an inline tight end. I don't know, like maybe, okay, like, but he's being labeled as an H back, whatever it is, he's versatile. People are calling him a Danny Vitale replacement. Like, I, if if Kyle Yuschek is his ceiling, that's that's a nice player to have. But I don't even know that I would draft Yuschek in the third round. Like no, like if you guaranteed me the production he gives that offense, I still don't know that that's worth a third round draft choice. So like that, I think that is my. That's my my the hurdle I can't get over right now with with um with this pick because it's uh, yeah it, I mean like it's just so many other glaring needs and I guess that the board falls a certain way and maybe the Packers really did just get really unlucky like in the fir- in the second and third rounds with like who was available and they might have taken a tackle that they had rated highly but he went or they might have taken a receiver but um. Again, these feel like luxuries to have, not necessities. Like just like oh, like the cool, like versatile, gadgety type player who can play in the backfield and play a tight end. Like, great. Who's gonna start a tackle? <laughs> like, who's gonna start opposite of Devontae Adams? So, um, anyway, I Brand could probably give us more insight on him as a player, though, which I think is more interesting than listening to me. Vince. Yeah, Ben, luxury, necessity. Which side do you fall on here for Josiah Deguara? <laughs> a little of both. Um I think again, if we're looking at this, like this is this is my big takeaway from the first couple drafts is like I think these picks only make sense if you're looking at the Packers as an organization like San Francisco, Tennessee, Baltimore, Atlanta. I mean, like if you're mad about tight ends, right? Like Baltimore took Hayden Hurst and Mark Andrews in the first and third round, what two years ago, three years ago. Um, tight end is actually like a big position in these systems, right? Like. It's a big position in a lot of systems, but it's it's a particularly big position in, um, you know, San Francisco, half the offense runs through George Kittle. Um, Atlanta, Hooper, Tennessee. Oh, sorry. I, I, if you throw in Atlanta, too, as kind of like in this tree, um, you have Hooper. Uh, Tennessee has a huge emphasis on Delaney Walker and, and moving on to Johnny Smith. Like tight end is kind of a offensive premium position in these systems. Um so I don't think it's a shock that two years in a row, or at least I, I like my pattern recognition is like, okay, two years in a row, they spent a third on a tight end. Tight end is going to be a premium position for this personnel staff moving forward. Um, so that I think is like the, the kind of big picture explanation of the tight end. Um, I think that he was probably done a little bit of a disservice 
by this kind of H-back versatility narrative. Um, I don't see any reason why he can't be like a straight inline tight end. He's not that much smaller than somebody like George Kittle. I think he's maybe eight pounds lighter, to eight to 10 pounds lighter, and maybe an inch or two shorter. Um, and like, I don't think that's like, so I don't, I don't see any reason why he can't be an inline tight end. Um, the other thing is in his, in his combine, um, he had the most bench press reps. And I know that sounds dumb, but bench press is actually like in the projections models. Like if you look at the, the mass data set, it's actually one of the best predictors of, of career length for tight ends and like being able to get on the field. So I'm not that worried about his ability to block. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not that worried about his ability to get on the field and stay on the field. Um, pretty good speed. Um, like as far as a combine test, he tested a lot better than Sternberger, who I don't feel that strongly about. Um, so I, I don't hate the pick. Um, that's my take on him as a player. I think, um, the thing that I don't love is that he's 23 and he was a four year starter or four year player. Um, and I think that, and I posted this on Twitter, obviously, you know, we just talked about a bunch of, or I just talked about a bunch of systems that, um, you know, tight end is kind of at a premium at. And I think that one system that it's not in a premium at is, is, uh, Bruce Arians is various offenses. And I think OJ Howard is on the market. And I, you know, I posted that poll about whether you'd rather the Packers use that third rounder on DeGuara or trading for OJ Howard, who has demonstrated, you know, elite capability as a receiving tight end in the NFL, or at least like potential elite receiving capability and was the highest rated pass blocking tight end in football last year. I would trade that third for OJ Howard. If I was going to take a tight end with a third round pick, he's 25 by the way. Um, so that's my take on that. I mean, like, I don't hate it. Well, I don't know. I don't know why I'm ending up so optimistic. It must just be like a contrarian streak. Yeah, I feel like when you, po- when you posted Twitter. that poll originally, your aim was to kind of crap on the pick and say, I would rather have OJ Howard, but it almost sounds like you're you're talking yourself into being like, no, no, okay no, no. I would it. still definitely, 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 definitely rather have OJ Howard. All right. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> Same. I think we're all, it's, that's unanimous here. If you're going to make tight end a premium position, and it's all it's going to cost you is a third round pick and probably an undervalued contract extension based on the way that he played last season or not, not even the way that he played, but the way that he was used last season, I would take OJ Howard 10 times out of 10. Yeah. I mean, again, I, I don't know if I had issues with the player or what, but there were, there were some, uh, a lot, I would say of, uh, uh, scouting, services that had um him ranked outside of like the top like 175 players like or prospects in this draft so i they must have just been really in love with him um which is weird i don't know what it is about him that they're they're loving him but like um i don't know we keep going back to the titans and the 49ers and everything like that like those those teams have also made significant uh investments at the receiver position. So are we just like too early? Are we like a year away from the Packers doing that or what? Cause like, I mean, the Titans have been drafted, invested draft capital and receiver. I think what, when was Corey Davis? Like AJ Brown was last year. Maybe he's like 17 or something like, yeah. So maybe that's like, 
Yeah, he went high, and AJ Brown was second round, and and the Niners like last year they you know they supplement they got Emmanuel like they did some of the things that people wanted the Packers to do. Yeah, they took um, Debo Samuel in the second, but I, but I mean two years ago the Niners receiving room like the best receiver was Mar- uh, Marquise Goodwin, who isn't that good. Yeah, I think he just got traded uh, to the Eagles today. If I'm not mistaken. That would make sense. He's he's they they could use like a a burner backup for. Jackson. All right, guys, let's move on to the fifth round, uh, 175th pick. So the Packers uh, taking about 100 picks off here. Uh, no picks in the fourth. And uh, OK, this time it had to be a wide receiver, right? I mean, Packers fans are like practically foaming at the mouth at this point. And uh, wait, no, no. What's this? It's linebacker Kamal Martin from Minnesota. 6'3", 240 pounds, crazy long wingspan, if you like that kind of stat, 81 inches. Uh, he didn't test at the Combine, but Alex, you've done a little light reading on our new friend Kamal Martin, right? What did you find? <laughs> uh, I mean, I found a lot of stuff that uh, <laughs> kind of made it uh, seem like he's a, another version of the same type of inside linebacker the Packers have had for uh, a while, uh, which is why that position has been... Um, considered a need for a while um i guess he's not like you know according again who knows anything right but uh according to most scouting reports he's not very uh fluid in the hips uh not great and dropping back uh into uh, zone coverage from the linebacker position it's probably gonna get lost on, on on passing downs a little bit um but is good in run support and can be a good special teams contributor uh so that's good <laughs> um but at this point, I do want to say, because I kind of sound like someone who just can't be pleased. Uh, and this is only going to, you know, make that seem even more so. Had the Packers taken a receipt, like the, the Packers not taking a receiver on Friday, like ended me caring about whether or not they take a receiver because a late fifth round receiver is not to me is not investing in receiver. Like it's just at, at that point, we missed the boat because because all we've been talking about for years is like high draft capital, not bodies like they've taken plenty of bodies late in drafts. Uh, at the receiver position but there's a reason that like whatever it was like 50 percent of their snaps or more or something were by undrafted players at, at yeah. the receiver position one of those reasons is because economy and st brown got hurt yeah yeah you can get good receiver value late in the draft no i know you can't the packers just haven't done it <laughs> but like, like when they and when they take receivers early they usually end up being good at least i mean again part of that was like rogers and his prime part of that was the system it was it was just a perfect storm when they were cranking out Jordy Nelson after, you know, Randall Cobb and all these all these other guys. Like um, yeah, for a stretch but, where it seemed like they they never uh, had like less than three very good receivers on their team. Yeah, I mean, I guess what I'm trying to say is like if if the Packers end this draft without a receiver, it's okay because like it's not okay, but a receiver on Saturday is not the same to me as a receiver on Friday. So like if you're mad about it on Friday, nothing on Saturday was going to fix it. So like just as like there was a way that things could have fixed people's opinions on the Jordan Love pick on on Friday from Thursday. But like they went the totally the opposite way yeah. and it changed people's opinion about that pick. Uh, nothing that was going to happen today is going to change that um, anyway. But yes. OK, so we got another body at linebacker, build some depth, special teams, whatever. Or maybe, you know, <laughs> yada, yada, yada. Well, at this point, it's like, all right, if he's a sleeper, hell yeah, great. He'll have a chance to start. Uh, um, I don't know. Tight hips, then... though. Those hips are tight. That's what I hear. I mean, I think I think we can assume <laughs> that he has a pretty decent chance to start. Yeah. Right. 
I mean, well, he's got to beat out Oren Burks, who has struggled to even make it on the field, really, it seems. Yeah. And uh, Kirksey. And uh, hey. Yeah, I guess so. He's like in the mix. Yeah. So, you know, he's they're kind of all the same. Will he be in the mix after they uh, bring back uh, Clay Matthews on a team friendly inside linebacker contract? <laughs> <laughs> well, I do. I mean, look, you know, we can we can say all this. I mean, I do think that there's a chance that they I, I don't think it's impossible that the Packers make another move like outside of the draft for for a wide receiver. Oh, I'm hoping. I believe me. That's uh, I've been waiting for that. Well, all day. Samuel would be super fun in this offense, I think. I agree. Yeah. And he's like very much available, right? Although if it if you get to this point in the draft, it's not like you're getting like none of the picks you have left are gonna net you him, right? But next year picks next year. I mean, like, yeah, it's it's not over, I guess. You're right about that. But um Also I was you know, whatever. Maybe maybe this is predictable. I still think Alan Lazard is pretty good. Um I think I couldn't have the same route. Like, don't get me wrong. I would have liked and would still like them to take a wide receiver in this draft. But uh, I don't think I don't think the cupboard's quite as bare uh, as Twitter does. But maybe, ben, maybe you've been off the show for a while, but there's been so much debate uh, in in the Packers sphere about Alan Lazard and whether or not people think his uh, his ceiling is a good number two or if his ceiling is a really good number three. Do you think what's a... what? What does that mean? What, like, what, what is what is that? Uh, this is why I need you on the show. <laughs> well, like, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what a really good number two is. Like, I mean, to me, a really good number two is Adam Thielen to Stefan Diggs. Like, I mean, I don't think we're talking that, right? Right. Um, you know, is he gonna be as good as Devontae Adams? No. Is he gonna be, you know? James Jones ish, you know, in that kind of pecking order. That's the name I keep thinking of. Can he get to like that level? Yeah, I don't see why not. I mean, we've seen it. We've seen him make. We've seen him make some pretty impressive contested catches. Truth. Um, he tracks the ball well down the field. He's got a pretty good physical profile. He produced a ton in college. Um, him and Rogers, you know, pretty good rapport from what it seems on the field. Um. Yeah, I don't see why. I don't see why he can't be. I mean, I guess like, is James Jones a three or a two? Like, I don't know what that means. (laughs) Yeah, is he is he a really good number two or an elite number three? We'll never. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know that. So it's It's a little talk radio. Yeah, I get you. Yeah, I mean, I think I think. (laughs) I I mean I don't. Yeah, I'd like somebody. You know, I'd like a big name to be excited about, but I, I I'm probably just more excited about Alan Lazard than other people are. Yeah. Can I ask a question? Um, did did either of you guys, because I, I got the impression you, Zach, weren't watching the, the telecast necessarily, uh, but I don't know about you. Ben, were you watching like the telecast of, of the past couple days of the draft? Or no, just I watched like the first five that? picks and then I got wrapped up in other stuff. Okay. No, I haven't, I haven't been watching, but I, I think I know what you're about to tee up. Uh, which is well, I, w- I, I just thought that this like I, I feel like had Ben been watching, we definitely would have got like a classic foldy uh, rant um, about this because it's just like <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to lie. Like this also colors my opinion of the whole weekend and probably the way I'm feeling about the Packers. Even I know where that, you're going like, to go with this. And I just want to preface it by saying this is great because the Packers pick in like four more picks. So let's stretch this out. <laughs> oh, OK, great. Um, well, I know there have to be other people thinking this just in terms of the draft as a whole. Like I, 
uh, I think we went into it kind of just like joking about like the logistics of it and all this. And I think it went incredibly smoothly from just like an execution standpoint. But um, I also went into this just desperate for like a live event to experience like in like a communal sense with Twitter as shitty of a place as it is and with other Packers fans and with people that I could FaceTime with and all this other stuff. Uh, just really excited about that. And it ended up being just like incredibly depressing because ESPN made this really weird decision to no longer basically like when they put up the graphic of a player being drafted, uh, talk about their accomplishments on the field or anything like that. And I get that it's bigger than football and they're trying to paint this picture of like football is family and all that. But uh, it felt like any prospect who had any type of childhood trauma or any family tragedy or basically any relative die whatsoever um, had to be highlighted. And it was the most like f- it was the opposite of uplifting. Yeah. And all I wanted was like something to get excited about. And it was the most fucking depressing thing I could ever see. Even if the Packers would have gotten CeeDee Lamb and Jerry Judy, I'd be like, this is a depressing ass weekend. Like, why did they make that decision? Never mind, like the borderline, like racially insensitive shit they would put up about being raised in a it single parent household and yeah. father was uh, put in jail at this age and uh, he overcame that to make it to the NFL and play for a rich white guy. Like, what the fuck did yeah. ESPN? Like, what was that? Like, why am I getting this from Trey Wingo? Just tell me how many touchdowns he scored. Like, that's not why I'm here. Of racial insensitivity, I don't know if you guys saw Chris Murphy's tweet, the senator from, I guess, Connecticut, I think, um, where he said, like, this is really driving home that a bunch of, you know, you can see inside the houses of a bunch of rich white GMs and head coaches drafting a bunch of, you know, young black men who have basically worked for free for three years to get this chance. Yep. Um, which I thought was apropos. Well, the whole thing, yeah. uh, this is something that Alex, that we talked about and I, I talked a bit of, uh, with our colleague, John Meerdink about this as well, but the whole thing, Alex, that you're describing and, and, and Ben, you as well, it kind of like positions the NFL as the sort of white savior character yeah. who will bestow salvation onto these like bootstrapping young men. And, um, and I feel like that also sort of furthers and fuels the cycle of s- certain fans who think that players like owe them and owe the organization something because now they make some money doing this thing that they worked very hard to do. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, the NFL savior complex thing is, is not great. Not yeah. great, Bob. <laughs> not great, Bob. Yeah. Not great, Bob. Yeah, it sucks. But I mean, I mean, we did at least we did get some really, really memorable uh, imagery out of this, like uh, Bill Belichick's husky in the chair, uh, Cliff Kingsbury um, and his sex den or whatever the hell that was. Um, Mike Vrabel's son taking a poop on TV. <laughs> like, uh, a, lot of, a lot of different things to his family. It was fun. Um, like I they just like weren't showing any emotion at all from what I could tell <laughs> before he got drafted. Um I, I was I was hoping to see I like I haven't seen any cats. Has anybody seen any cats? No, no it's cats, very dog heavy. Just dogs. Yeah. This mm-hmm. is why this is why I never played in the NFL. You're, did you see Adam, Did you see Adam Gase's son uh they like tracked because he was like basically sitting next to Gase for an extended period of time and they they saw him like he began doing a Rubik's Cube at like I forget what pick. And then they like somebody on Twitter was like, it took him seven draft picks to complete the Rubik's cube and they like equate, you know, they like measured out the time is really funny. Um, yeah, there was some good stuff. I don't mean to sound like a complete downer and the Packers are now, I think, uh, on deck. Um, but I just, 
I just thought that that was a really weird choice by uh, uh, by ESPN to because it was very clear that they like just made that like they've never done that before. No, yeah, I think it's definitely a situation where like some like media people like went into an office and and pitched the idea of how do we convert this draft into something that's engaging and and fully digital and it's like oh well people like these adversity stories and these and these stories that end up being feel good stories so let's pump that and so they just said yeah but it just comes across like you said as this weird it's like adversity porn vaguely sometimes not so vaguely racist it's just not a good look it does not translate at all well and by no but believe me i understand that like in the middle of this pandemic like there, there was i think one or two players maybe who someone in their family was, was like battling totally. uh coronavirus yeah. or might have even passed away and i understand how you acknowledge that like given the time that we're in but uh, there was, you know, brother struck by lightning. There was dad tripped on something, fell into the street and got hit by a car that was passing. Like, I just maybe they consulted all these players and they were like, oh, can we share this? Whatever. But like, why is yeah. what I want to know? Like, what does that what is the goal of that? So the first thing I saw about Jordan Love on Twitter, well, not the first thing, but I was like reading some comments and somebody made a joke about his dad killing himself, which I thought was really fun. Ugh. And then uh, and then I and then I looked at. USA Today's write-up was like five things to know about Jordan Love, and number five is his dad committed suicide, which is just like what? Yeah, like that's, that's not something I need to know about him at all. Yeah, I have no right to know that about him. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I guess I would have just said like I just kind of wish we kept it light, and now this weekend has just like been a total downer, and just uh, I have nothing but like depressing stories in my head about these guys' relatives, like yeah. not being able to be there to celebrate this day with them. And I just thought it came off really poorly. Uh, well, there's not a smooth transition, but we'll go back to football here as we uh, fill a little bit more time trying to get to the Packers' end of six-round picks. But uh, early in the sixth round, as we announced live on the air, they drafted uh, John Runyon as we go down our list of draft picks. The guard from Michigan, 6'4", 306 pounds. Um, he played at a, as a guard, but ABC's uh, Ken McCain projects him as a tackle. So I think that actually makes sense. Uh, a bit of a project, which is basically the definition of a six-round pick. And Alex, um, offensive line is a need. You talked about it earlier. Is six-round okay for you or <laughs> no? Sure, yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, the Packers have had success drafting late linemen. I get different staff, different regime, all that. But, uh, I mean, tackles, you typically, you know, interior linemen usually are the later round guys. but. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've got nothing on him. Yeah, I mean, like other than remembering his dad play, I think for the Eagles and I forget where else, but like a longtime Eagle. And I, I just all I think about is the the uh, John Madden like days when he was doing the Fox broadcast, and I feel like he must have just absolutely loved John Runyon, unless John Runyon was like newer than that, because he's not that old. John Runyon, mid nineties. I looked it up. He was drafted in ninety six. Oh, okay. So yeah, he was playing in like those. Those uh, John Madden. Yeah, George days. Kittle's from Madison. Did we know that? I didn't know that. How did that not even come up during the NFC Championship? He's like a Madison townie. Like he grew up in Madison. Oh, he moved. He moved to Iowa at a young age. But okay. He was born in Madison. All right, a Madison baby. All right. I saw that the Jets drafted a quarterback from FIU, who I think like grew up like a mile from Lambeau Field in Green Bay. Huh. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I'm shocked that that's not like a name that we just like stumbled into just because of Packers. 
Alex, uh, you used to do sports radio. We got to fill like five minutes here before this pick. <laughs> uh, this is where you would just say the phone number way too many times. Yeah, but we don't. Right, we don't yeah. have one of those. Uh, the APC podcast at gmail.com. Uh, <laughs> Subway, fresh take, hotline. <laughs> <laughs> on Twitter at the APC pod. There were some other interesting things that happened around the league. I mean, how do we feel about um, Jalen Hurts going to Philly? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> how do you okay. feel about it? Uh, I think it makes sense. I think you, you need a. Backup plan for Carson Wentz at all times. Yeah, at all times. Yeah. How do we feel about the Niners acquiring? Uh, uh, oh, they traded Brita to the Dolphins. Yep. Okay, so they're like wheeling and dealing. They got McKinnon back to renegotiate his deal. Oh, okay. And they traded Goodwin to the Eagles, and they got Trent Williams. So they're like very active. Man, John Lynch is a fun GM. So is Howie Roseman, for that matter. Yeah. Gudikon's not uh, doing it for you. <laughs> uh, no, he's, he's okay. Uh, well, well, here's he's one thing okay. that I think it's worthwhile on a Packer podcast in the spirit of coming time, and the Packers are now on the clock with two straight picks. Um, how do we feel about the other teams in the division? Because the Vikings got a lot better, I would say. Although that really slow corner they got, um, I don't think anyone as slow as him since like I, I read something about forty times at the combine and corners who were drafted, and like anyone as slow as him or slower. Since like 1990, has there was like not one good corner on the list. Hmm. It's like who historically was, who was bad. Dantzler. Oh, I think he ran like a four six seven or something like that. And like that time or slower for corner has never produced like in in the last like two decades has produced like almost no corners I've ever could remember ever being productive. Why am I blanking out on the on the corner? Oh, Ahmad Carroll. Yeah, Ahmad Carroll. <sighs> Yeah. He, his speed wasn't his problem to be fair to him yeah um so uh, i'm looking at twitter on uh john runyon he uh 1.79 10 yard split 4.69 short shuttle um and a uh three cone under 771 and uh he uh yeah, so that's a John Runyon is like the Packers threshold. Uh, you know, played tackle in college. He's their he's their guy. So I think we can get slightly excited about John Runyon from a formula perspective. Oh man, the Packers Packers pick is in. The pick is in, and we got a little breaking news sounder. Does that mean you Who's know who it is? It, me? <laughs> yeah, go for it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jake Hansen, center from Oregon. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah. He uh, did a four-star recruit from Eureka, California. Took over the starting job for the Ducks in 2016, earning his uh, four straight honorable mention all-pack 12 nods. Um, <laughs> honorable mention's not bad. It's better than dishonorable mention. Right. <laughs> this guy's a schmuck. Uh, da 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 da. Yeah, they're really scraping the barrel for his bio. He missed the first half of one contest because he drew a personal foul on a blindside targeting call in the second half of the previous game against UCLA. Um, That's all they got. Oh, I guess they're making they're making a note about longevity. He uh, he started all thirteen games as a sophomore in all thirteen, almost twelve of thirteen of twenty eighteen, twelve games at center in twenty nineteen, missing two games to injury. 
Um, unlikely to stand out. Lacks power and mass. Uh, strong, accurate hands. Determined efforts. Steady performer who could offer late round value as a backup. Um, he's been really reliable for them for four years. He's not a center you are looking for, but he's a center you might be willing to work with, says a national scout for an AFC team. Burning question, Ben. Inquiring Ben's want to know, how old is he? Uh, he is... Well, he's a four-year starter, right? Yeah. So he is... Date Do of they birth. not list their age on the NFL site? They Date don't. of birth, 4-29-1997. So he's about to have a birthday. 4-29-97. So he's 20... He's about to be 23? Oh. <laughs> Do we have the next pick? We got pick? the next pick, too. We got the next pick? Is it a wide receiver? It sure isn't. <laughs> it is another offensive lineman with the 209th pick in the uh, 2020 NFL draft. The Green Bay Packers select Simon Stepaniak, tackle out of Indiana. Are you get, we got Ben? Can you look him up and see if he fits like the uh, profile of a Packers offensive lineman? Since that's like, like the well, most it's hard to tell because none of these guys did the combine, so like <laughs> yeah. it's just like all I can see is that he did 37 reps on the bench press. Uh, I know his hands are 10 and three eighths of an inch in size. Uh, another honorable <laughs> mention for all Big Ten pick uh, missed. The bowl game due to injury, early and strong, ability to play either guard position in a gap scheme attack. Well, that sounds right. Um, productive on double teams and combo blocks, comes off the ball and into opponents <laughs> with some pop. When he's I love the, that we've just devolved into you reading the scouting report. He's yeah. a nasty block finisher. Um, nasty. Well, that's it, right? I mean, we're not going to stay on until round seven. No, absolutely not. Poor, poor pass, um, bro. No, 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 no. Well, this. Now I'm disappointed. I wasn't disappointed till then, but now I'm disappointed. Why? <laughs> uh, just because, like, I I was really hoping that they wanted a uh, wide receiver at one of these points. Yeah. I was so say. at this point, I think we just have to ask the question: like, will the will we get to? Well, we don't even know if OTAs or training camp are happening. But like, will there be another receiver in any form other than undrafted free agency? Uh, of like the new crop of guys you mean like are they are, are they gonna make a trade yeah like is there another move that they've got like because they're not i mean they're not gonna draft i mean i guess they, i don't know how many were they have one seventh round pick they got two sevenths i think yeah all right well and if they don't draft a receiver with those two picks um i i i can't believe we made it out of this weekend without one <laughs> I just can't. I just, yeah. I mean, I'm trying. Do you think that Funches Funches is not a bad gamble? No, no. I, I, I don't I, think so either. I yeah. totally agree. I think we are all in alignment there. But just, I think we had all bought in, we all bought into this uh, narrative. Like, okay, they didn't go out and get a star wide receiver in free agency or or someone who is a clear Ben's favorite number two. Um, so, <laughs> so clearly in this uh, draft that's just flush with wide receivers with like 45 have been drafted or I'm just making that number up, but it's, it's a lot. They would get at least one, right? No, not one. Zero. You would think. Zero. Wow. I'm just like, I'm not, I don't want to say that I'm disappointed or There's a seventh round. There's there's two more picks. Yeah. Right. Seventh round. Okay. Okay. Next Donald driver coming down the pike. (laughs) What's, What's Cole Madison up to? Is he around next season? 
Yeah, he's under, uh, I think he's under contract. He's there. Yeah. <laughs> Good for him. <laughs> that's the end note. I feel like that's the end. I don't know. <laughs> what do we think, guys? So it sounds like everybody's pretty upset. I'm not upset. I'm just, I'm more just generally um, uh, befuddled is a word I've used a few times on this, uh, on these airwaves here today. Um, I'm kind of just like, wow, that's just not, not at all the outcome that I expected. I thought at some point they were passing first round, second round, no wide receiver. At some point you got to take someone, find some, you know, some name that we never heard of. And they're like, oh, it's a value guy. And, you, you know, Gutekun still get on the conference call and tell you why this player is great. Nobody, nobody. I'm just very surprised. Alex, what about you? Yes, I am. I <laughs> you am, you look surprised. visually disappointed right now. I am. I'm very <laughs> disappointed. But that being said, um, you know, they might have a really good offense next year because none <laughs> of this actually matters until they start playing. Like, but it is fun to react. Like, I, I don't know. You know me. I'm like, I, I, I I'm like, oh, like. You know, everyone has a take and nobody knows anything, but it's fun to have that. I don't know. It was fun to have something to look forward to. In a weird way, it's fun to be disappointed and be like analyzing the Packers. Um, And it'll be fun to watch these guys play. Yeah. (laughs) That's all I got. Like, I I was in it to have a fun weekend. I didn't, but (laughs) at least we get to bitch about something. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's better than like old games running back on TV. Or you know whatever it is that other people are watching to get their sports fix. Ben, uh, thank you for taking some time after a, a little bit of a, a recess from the show. You have any any closing thoughts here as we end this broadcast and the Packers head into the seventh round without a wide receiver yet? <laughs> I mean, I just hope we get to watch some football this year. I would even take Same. a losing season. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, I, I'll just watch any football you, at this point, just to have a season. Oh, wait, hold on. There's a tweet. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. There's a Justin Rohrwasser has been asked about his three percenters tattoo already. Oh, God. Oh, he has. Um, he said he got the tattoo as a teen and thought it was a military support symbol. Turned into something I would never want to represent. Should have done way more research on it. Will cover it. Wow, okay. I mean, <laughs> I don't believe him at all. Yeah. I don't either. Uh, I doubt he got that when he was, I don't know. Wow. The Whatever. fact that he's going to get it covered is funny and stupid. Um, anyway. Patriot way, baby. <laughs> oh, Alex, you have checked. I love this. You've checked out. <laughs> no, no. Um, yeah. You know what I found? You know what I was asking myself last night when I was going to sleep? Would I be happy for Aaron Rodgers if he was traded to the Patriots, or would I just be like incredibly sad if he were traded to the Patriots? I think I'd be happy for him. I I, I would be totally fine if Bill Belichick gave him what he deserves, which is just like, uh, yeah, probably another title. <laughs> no, no, you're you're very wrong. If they played the Packers in the Super Bowl, I wouldn't want it to happen. But if the Packers are just going to be like nine and seven for the remainder of Rogers' days, like please go on to something better. No. no, I mean I'm not. Look, I'm not saying anybody like if he can win, he you know whatever. But I don't like no. The Patriots are not no. where I want to see anybody. I didn't even want to see Randy Moss there. That's how much I didn't want to see people there. 
Yeah, I guess you're right. I think I'm just losing it. Yeah, you are. I see you like staring off into the distance now. We're gonna we're gonna I'm hit just, the polka. <laughs> I'm looking at the sunny sky, beautiful weather. Can't go out. <laughs> yeah, we really we. I mean. I, I guess the joke's really on all of us for caring at all and spending any time doing this this weekend. <laughs> I feel no. like as a as a shout out to uh, our good buddy Justice Mosqueda, I feel like that's a very justice take. The the joke is on us for caring at all because he's constantly <laughs> lamenting how the Packers pull him back in after he finally extracts himself from the fandom. They somehow pull him back in and then they do something like this draft and he is just beside himself right now. So I feel like that take is very appropriate. So that is uh, six rounds of the draft in the books. The seventh round where they finally get two star wide receivers, I'm positive, uh, uh, will happen here momentarily as we record this. And we will be back to talk about that and all things Green Bay Packers. Uh, maybe tomorrow, <laughs> Sunday, slash maybe Monday. We'll figure it out. I don't know. Whatever. Is the Ravens SB Nation blog hiring? <laughs> Yikes. APC... At the APC Pod on Twitter and uh, and Instagram as well. Uh, Patreon.com slash NoteNugs, 1G, plural, NoteNugs, N-O-T-E-N-U-G-S. Show us your support there. We really appreciate it. And uh, the free way to support the show is to hit that five-star review button on iTunes. And, um, yeah, that's going to do it for us for now. For uh, Ben, who called in, who I can't see right now, and Alex, who I can see and looks hilariously disappointed. <laughs> I am Zach Rapport. And, um, yeah, keep it locked into acmepackingcompany.com for more draft coverage. And uh, one way or another, Packers fans, we're going to make sense of all this in time, in due time. Take her easy, and we will talk to you very soon. Go Pack Go!